Well, um, I don't know if we've got anybody here that's a football fan. Uh, I want to just update you on football for a little bit. Um, uh, first things first, uh, serve it, uh, the Patriots game is at 425 today. Uh, so if you're hanging out for second service, you got plenty of time to chill and relax and you're not going to miss anything. And, uh, but that's actually not what I'm talking about. Some of you follow football, some of you don't, but interesting thing happened a few weeks ago and it actually centers around an NFL kicker, which most people don't talk about them unless they do something really terrible. Uh, so we should talk about them, allow them to get a little bit of credit, a little bit of recognition because... I mean, there's a kicker. So we try to talk about the punter, but there's nothing ever to talk about the punter. Um, Justin Tucker is an NFL kicker, and a couple of weeks ago, on September 26, he hit a game-winning field goal in the final moments of the game to lead the Baltimore, the Baltimore Ravens in victory over the Detroit Lions. The score was 19 to 17. I'm gonna show you that video, and then we'll talk about it here again. So in case you missed it, because you have no interest in the Ravens or the Lions, here it is for you. And here comes Tucker with three seconds to play. Forty-nine straight field goals. Well, this is, this is the guy you want, Greg. If, if you're in this situation, I can't think of a better option. This is for an NFL record 66 yards. Video announcer just started announcing that kick like some of you sing. Like, oh my goodness. <laughs> that was a record-breaking kick. The longest field goal ever in NFL history, just barely. And uh, if you rewatch that, it hit the goalpost and bounced in. And um, some of you don't care about football, but you care about video games. And this kick affected the video game world. Um, that week, um, that week, the video game Madden, which is a football game, they updated Justin Tucker's, um, his overall rating, his Madden rating from 87 to 99. So it was temporary that it's not going to stay at 99 forever, but they adjusted that. So if you signed on the, on the game later that week, it, it would have automatically updated or you click to update it and it would have upgraded his Madden rating. Today in our series, Battle of the Unseen, I want to talk about your Madden rating, what it is that you're capable of, what it is, you know, if you're going to rank yourself, what your ranking would be. And then what we're going to talk about in, in the next few minutes before, you know, in like 15 minutes as we get through to the end of this, is what we're going to see is that there is a possibility of you improving your ranking. And really what you see is that God doesn't want you just resting on your own ranking at all. He wants to come behind you and raise that up. Now, wouldn't it be nice 
if, if we did something great, our abilities would just rank up. Like, life would be reset, and for the entire you know, week, the next month, that we'd be able to operate at a 99 level. You've been living your life as an 87 or, or a 70, but you're successfully, after you successfully accomplished something, your ranking goes up. So maybe think about your parenting. Right now, everybody put a number in your head, all the parents. Um, if you're not a parent, but you ever had a goldfish that died, put yourself really low, all right? You're at like a 56 overall. You can't just let your kids die, all right? You, so if you have a goldfish and it died, or a gerbil or a hamster or anything, low ranking. If your kids are still alive, at least put yourself on at a 63, all right? You're better than the goldfish murderers. <laughs> so think about your number, rank yourself as a parent. Uh, if you're not sure, compare yourself to your parents and your grandparents, that'll help you to kind of gauge the average. Now imagine you're going through this scenario. It's taken you, you know, you, you've got a, a child, it hasn't slept all night, it hasn't slept all year, it's just loud and crying, and so your wits ends, your hair's like this, your teeth are furry, you just can't even do anything to bathe or hygiene uh, or, or to practice hygiene, and you're trying to get the child to go to sleep for a nap, it won't go, it, it just will never nap, but this one day, actually, you put the child in its crib, and maybe it was an act of God, maybe it was the dusting of melatonin you put in this baby food, but for whatever reason, this child falls asleep. And oh my word, quiet, calm. You take advantage of this to eat something, to bathe, to take a nap, and eventually you realize, man, the child's been sleeping for a long, long, long time. And so... You all the kind of all the worst case scenarios go through your head, and you I better check on the baby to make sure everything's okay. When you open the door, you realize that the baby's awake, but the baby has taken off its diaper. And it's done this fragrant finger painting mural over the wall and the crib, and your face now with a with a big, tough decision. Who is going to react? Is it the, the parent who hasn't slept in three months? Is it, you know, are you, you know, but through your gagging, you actually respond in a way you didn't know was possible. You were calm, you were patient, and graciously and spaciously, you pick up the child, <laughs> and walk it to the tub, you clean it up, and you leave the mural for the other parent. <laughs> In that moment, all right, whatever you are as a parent, 65, 73, 87, imagine if after you reacted in that moment that way, like for the rest of for the rest of the week or the rest of the month now, because you successfully accomplished that world record feat of patience, now you're living at a 99. That would be amazing. If, if at least sometimes I could get on the 99 overall rating for a parent, even as a husband, even as a pastor, like we operate 
at our base, kind of base level of what our abilities are and our talent are and our discipline is, but we can operate beyond what we're capable of. Now, if you've got your Bibles, I want you to open up to a book called Zechariah chapter four. If you don't have a Bible, we'll give you one for free. If you sign on to the Restoration Guest Wi-Fi, you can Google uh, Zechariah chapter four. You can download a Bible app on your phone and follow along with us there. And we're, and we're gonna talk to him. We're gonna read this passage of scripture that, that helps us to understand God and his relationship with us. Um, and it'll help you to live your life this week. Now, we're in this series called The Battle of the Unseen, and uh, if, you've, if you've been involved in church before, you may have heard this phrase, spiritual warfare, and that's what we're talking about, that spiritual warfare is something that's real, and we talked about it last week, and so you can go back last week, hear me rant and rave about, about mice and raising Maine Coon cats and, and raising one to be extra large, I'm going to ride it like He-Man rode the battle cat, um, but... You can learn about that last week and listen to that uh, on YouTube from last week. But this idea of spiritual warfare is something that maybe makes some people uncomfortable. And like I did when I was a little kid because it makes them scared. You know, when I used to go to bed and it'd be at nighttime and I'd be afraid of what might be in my room, I would just keep my eyes closed or my blankets over my head because as long as I didn't know it was there and I didn't make eye contact with it, it wouldn't hurt me. And we kind of react this way around spiritual warfare. We want to pretend it doesn't exist. We want to just kind of close our eyes to it and ignore it. But it is nothing to be afraid of. And we in ourselves look at like spiritual warfare. My rating for that is not going to be very high. And you're right on that. And we'll talk more about that here in a moment. But you have an opportunity. There's nothing actually for you to be afraid of because of the God who lives in us. Now, Zechariah chapter four, we'll start reading here at verse number one. It said, then the angel who had been talking with me returned and woke me as though I had been asleep. What do you see now? The angel asked him. And I answered, I see a solid gold lampstand with bowls of oil on top of it. Around the bowl are seven lamps, each having seven spouts with wicks. And I see two olive trees, one on each side of the bowl. So what does this mean? The angel asked him, what do you think this means? And he had no idea. So just like you had no idea, the guy seeing these things had no idea. What are these? What do they mean? The angel said, don't you know? No, my Lord, I replied. Then he said to me, this is what the Lord says to Zerubbabel. And this is what I want you to see. This is, very, this is the key verse for us this morning. It is not by force, nor by strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Not by strength, not by force, but by my spirit, says the Lord. When we're looking at our Madden rating, our overall ranking in life, you think, I just don't have, my parents were terrible parents, I'm a terrible parent. It is just what it's going to be. My, you, you know, I've got these problems, I've got these things, I will never move beyond. I want you to remember, I want you to memorize this verse. It's not by might, it's not by power, it's not by strength, it's not by force, but it's by the Spirit of God within you. Do everything you possibly can. You may get your Madden rating to improve by one or two points. 
But if we can figure out how to follow Jesus, how to have the Holy Spirit working with us, all of a sudden now, there's not a limitation to our Madden ranking. Now, this vision itself, we'll talk more about here uh, in a little bit, but here's Zerubbabel's story. He grew up in exile, and so the Hebrew people, the nation of Israel, had been conquered by the Babylonian Empire. So this, was, this is history. You can, read, you can read this in your history books. And 70 years later, they are released from exile. And Zerubbabel has been selected to be governor of Judea. So they're over in Babylon. They've been told they can go back. Only a few people actually go back compared to the big picture. If I remember right, it was like 15 or 20,000 people decided to return and rebuild their country and their home, their homeland. And so Zerubbabel was elected as governor, and he was given the assignment to rebuild the temple. It was this amazing structure where, where they would worship God, and the Babylonians had absolutely destroyed it. And now, they're free from captivity, They're given permission to rebuild their temple, to start worshiping God in the temple again, and Zerubbabel is given that assignment. Now, the previous temple was built by a man named Solomon, and when Solomon built the temple, he practically had unlimited resources. His father, who was King David, saved, acquired resources and saved uh, for, for uh, many, many years, a few decades, acquiring the stuff. And then when Solomon became king, gave him all the materials and resources that he'd been saving and told him to build a temple. Zerubbabel, he's building the temple with nothing. They've been captives for 70 years. They don't have much. And he's given the assignment, hey, you know that amazing temple that was the eighth wonder of the world. That amazing temple, you're gonna rebuild it. He had unlimited resources, you have nothing. And Zerubbabel is feeling like he's got a Madden rating of 40, 50, or 60. I am not capable of doing this. It's true, if you look at your life and the things that God's called you to accomplish, you can't do it. It's true. Your Madden rating probably is what you think it is, if not a little bit lower, because I think sometimes we esteem ourselves higher than we are. I'm a great husband, probably a a 93, 94. And then the wife is like, "Ah." (laughs) he has dyslexia. He meant to reverse those numbers. (laughs) We, We think about this. So Zerubbabel is very concerned. He's probably staying awake at night. He's like, what am I gonna do? How am I gonna rebuild this massive structure when we have nothing. And that's why God showed up and gave him this vision and the angels helping him to, 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 describe, to, to, uh, to understand it. Hey, this massive, huge structure, Zerubbabel, you're not gonna do that by force. You're not gonna do that by strength. You're gonna do it by the spirit of God. The way you're gonna accomplish this next season is by God working in you, not by you working for God. Big, big, big difference in our posture and our experience. So a few things in life that, you know, there's a couple other stories in the Bible. 
There's a, a famous story about seven guys. Their nickname or the way they were described in the Bible is the seven sons of Sceva. And so Sceva's their dad, interesting name, uh, one that I wouldn't use, but there's these seven sons. They see the disciples doing some pretty miraculous things, some pretty supernatural things. And there's people who are filled with demons. And when the, uh, when the uh, disciples pray for them, the people are set free. They're restored to their right mind. They're given peace again. The demonic powers have to leave. So these guys, these seven sons decide, let's do it. Hey, it doesn't seem very hard. Let's go do it. So they show up to a, to a guy's house who's full of demons and they say, hey, you, you know, you, you're going to do what we're telling you to do because Paul says you're going to leave in Jesus name. And so we tell you the same thing. You got to leave in Jesus name. The, the, the demoniac the demon began to speak back to them and said, I, we know who Jesus is. We've heard of a guy named Paul, but who are you? And this, this demonically possessed person beat up these seven sons, these seven guys so badly that it said they left naked. So they were bloodied and naked, beat the clothes right off of their back. And you know what the seven sons of Sceva, they're casting out demons raiding on Madden, probably a two, three, 10 maybe, if we're lucky. Um, they didn't have ability to do it on their own. And I'll just make a quick pause here. If you think that being religious helps you, being religious, just performing ritual that you see other people performing makes any difference in your life spiritually, it doesn't. Being religious and just showing up at a church service does nothing to affect your Madden rating or to affect your, your relationship with God, only giving Jesus our heart, giving him our entire life, confessing it with our mouth, that is what makes the difference. That's what changes our Madden rating. And then you think about your life, you tried everything you can to change your life and it's gotten worse. Saving yourself, Madden rating of zero. You can't save yourself. Now, here's a kind of a key thing for us. And uh, the band, you guys can make your way up. Here's a key thing for us. God doesn't want you to do these things on your own. He didn't say to Zerubbabel, rebuild it. And he, when Zerubbabel says, how? He says, that's your problem. I put you in charge. No, he says, hey, I, I've given you this assignment, but it's by my spirit you're gonna be able to do it. It is by my spirit. Jesus said this himself in John chapter 15, verse number five. So this is a quote. One of the disciples wrote this down. Jesus teaching his disciples, teaching us about himself. He says, I'm the vine. Like think about a grapevine. I'm the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. What's your Madden rating apart from Jesus? I mean, it's, it's minuscule. But with him, when you're connected with him, what happens? God does it through you. This is our final thought this morning. Think about the battle of the unseen. You think about spiritual realm, spiritual warfare, things that maybe in the natural can make us uncomfortable or nervous. God through us. It's not by my physical ability to overcome a demoniac or to, or to be the best parent or the best husband or kind and patient all the time. It's the Holy Spirit in me. It's by His Spirit. And one thing we recognize in Galatians is that when we 
are in His Spirit, what's the fruit of our life? The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. That becomes my Madden rating, not my heritage or my family history or my problems. The Holy Spirit in me puts my Madden rating up to 100 in joy, my Madden rating up to 100 in patience, my Madden rating up to 100 in self-control, my Madden rating, Madden rating up to 100 in gentleness. The Holy Spirit in me. Second Corinthians 12, nine says, each time he said, and this is Paul writing about his life, he's praying to God. God, I feel weak, I feel like I can't do it. I can't go on anymore. He's having this Zerubbabel moment. The task is too big for me to accomplish. I'm not good enough. And God speaks to Paul and says, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. And then Paul says, so I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. You don't have to be a 99. You don't have to be an 87. You just have to let God work in you. He recognizes how terrible we are. He knows how, how insufficient we are. He knows how incapable we are. And he says right here, my power works best in weakness. So if you've had terrible parents, if you'll allow me to work in your life, you won't replace that. You won't repeat that history. You, you, you're having difficulty. You're struggling in these areas in your life. All right, well, this weakness. This, guess what? I work in that. I show my power best in weakness because when someone is already a 98, then they don't give credit to God for giving them the 99. They just think they did it on their own. But when you're 50, God brings you up to that 99. There's no one who gets the glory but him. He's not afraid of your weakness. He wants to empower you through it. Just want to connect back here on this illustration. Zerubbabel, he sees this. He sees this picture. Um, it says uh, there's lampstands and there's oil and there's olive trees. And we got to think past electricity. So the way that they would, they would light these lamps is through oil. Oil, many times in the Bible, is a representation of the Holy Spirit. And so this time we can look at it the same way. That there's seven lampstands who are going to be producing light, but there's a, a bowl of oil there that's going, to supply the, that's going to supply the fuel needed to create the light. It's not the lampstand's job to create light on its own. No, it's the oil. It's the one who's providing the fuel. Not by might, not by spirit not by your own effort, no, but by my spirit, by my spirit, it's gonna bring the oil to light those. And then we've got the two olive trees growing to the side of it and we can forget like, oh, okay, there's trees, whatever, but we can forget that the way the, the Hebrew people got oil, it wasn't through hunting whales, all right? This is, not, this is not New England. The way that they got oil was through pressing olives. So God has said to them, not only am I going to supply, supply oil for you, Zerubbabel, for what you need right now, but I'm going to be your continuous supply. I'm putting those olive trees there. They're going to continually, perpetually produce the olives needed for the oil for the lambs. What God says to you right before I pray, He's your supply, not just today, not just through this problem, but for every day through every situation for the rest of your life. The Holy Spirit wants to work in you for every battle, 
that you face right now, any future battle you may face in the future. Through every victory celebration you're gonna have this week, through every victory celebration in the future. He doesn't wanna give you a temporary Madden rating because you were able to do something kind of good. He wants to give you a perpetual Madden rating. And we recognize, here who I, here's who I am. I'm a 78 overall, but the Spirit of God within me puts me at a 99. To live that way, to yield our life that way, to have faith in God that way, He will do it through you. We close your eyes, let me pray for you. Jesus, we thank you for everybody in our services today. Those who have been trying to do it out of our own strength. And we've been failing because what else are we going to do? We can't do it on our own. I pray that as we sit in our, in our seat right now, we just say, we just ask you, Holy Spirit, forgive me for trying to do it on my own. Forgive me trying to power my way through it. I ask you to work through me and to lead me through this. For those in here who've never, they've never even considered following you. They never knew it was possible. They never knew that you would want them for whatever reason. They don't have a, a relationship with you. They've never given their life to you. I just pray right now, they would realize you're not looking at them thinking how bad they are. You're not looking at them thinking they got a lot of work to do before they could ever come to me. You're looking at them with the heart of compassion that Jesus had when he went to the cross in our place. He died on that cross so that we wouldn't have to. He died on that cross before we were perfect because if we were perfect, we wouldn't have needed him to die on that cross. And because of what he did on the cross, we can, we can come before you and ask you to forgive us because of what he did on the cross, we can come before you and ask you to adopt us because of what he did on the cross, we can come before you and say, hey, happily, I give my life to you. And I just pray for everybody in our services making that decision today, praying, Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, I give you my life. I believe that you're God's son and I ask you to be my savior. Thank you for everybody saying that to you, praying that to you today. Jesus, we thank you for every baptism in our services today. Just people showing that they've made that decision. They prayed that prayer that you've done that work in their life. We love you and we worship you and we pray this all in Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm gonna turn it over to location pastors and let's uh, celebrate with some baptism.